Praise the Lord. God bless you, Mission Ebenezer. It's always good to be in God's house, amen? And it's always a blessing to open up his word and to allow his word to instruct us, to allow his word to encourage us, to challenge us, and ultimately to cause us to become less of ourselves and more of Jesus. And that's what our desire is this morning. As we are two uh, Sundays away from celebrating Resurrection Sunday or Easter, as we get ready to celebrate the triumph of the empty, empty tomb and the fact that Jesus is not dead, but he's alive, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, as we celebrate all that that means, that he took your and my sin upon himself on the cross, that we are no longer viewed through the eyes of our sin and brokenness, but through the, through the, the covering of Jesus' life over ours. Uh, we've been given the invitation to be reunited and redeemed and restored in relationship with our Creator through Jesus. So we have much to celebrate, and we're excited to continue getting there, but, but I want you to hear this. We cannot get to Sunday without going through Friday. All right, we cannot get to Sunday without going through Friday. Um, I know that we, uh, we are a Pentecostal church. We're part of the Assemblies of God movement. We celebrate the fact that God has won the victory. We celebrate the fact that the Holy Spirit has been democratized and given to every single one who would call upon the name of the Lord so that salvation, redemption, healing, power, wholeness are available to the people of God. And so we celebrate that. It's something to be excited about. How many of us are excited about the fact that God has given us victory? He's given us his son. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power to witness, the power to live a life that demonstrates that we are, we are, we are redeemed and bought back by God from the enemy. So we have much to celebrate as the people of God. Um, but I would, I would want to just make um, a note this morning as we begin this two-week series in understanding the suffering of Christ, understanding what took place on the cross in order for us to truly appreciate what took place at the empty tomb. When we, when we go through that process, we have to remember that, uh, that we, as, as the, 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 the Pentecostal body, we as those who celebrate victory, oftentimes can forget about what took place on Friday what took place at the cross. We oftentimes forget about suffering. We oftentimes forget that God has himself allowed himself to go through suffering for our sake. We oftentimes forget that before we can truly appreciate redemption and resurrection power, we have to recognize what it means to go through pain. But if you're like me, you probably are, are excited about the power and not as excited about the pain. If you're like me, you're excited about the victory, but not as excited about the struggle. You're, you're excited about the empty tomb, but not as excited about the blood and the nails and the crown of thorns that had to go around the head of our Savior Jesus. See, many of us, to liken it to terms that we all understand, because I know a lot of us here love sports, many of us want the championship, but we don't want the training. Right? We, we want the, the trophy, but we don't necessarily want to go through the injury. But all of those are together when we understand what God is up to, not just in our lives, but in the world around us. The other thing that we're guilty of, and that when I say we, I'm, I'm including all of us as part of the American Christian Church, is that we have 
created this gospel understanding that's all about my personal salvation. So what that means is as long as I say the prayer, as long as I raise the hand, then I bought my ticket into heaven because of what Jesus did for me. And if we do that, then we're missing a whole chunk of the gospel that's important for us to understand. That the gospel was never meant to just be buying us a ticket to heaven. The gospel is to be part of God's plan and ushering in the kingdom of God into this place and this time right now so that when I have received redemption and salvation, others around me will also experience salvation of God. Right? I mean, it's all, the, the other analogy that, I, that I'm kind of picturing is just imagine, and a lot of movies have this plot, by the way, um, but, um, but another analogy is imagine that we are uh, somehow stranded um, on an island. Well, we shipwrecked, and we're there. We put up an SOS signal, right? And we realize that there were a whole bunch of people also on that island that were stranded, uh, and we put the smoke signal up. A helicopter came, and we jumped in the helicopter and, and, and flew away to, to nearby land where we received safety, and then later on realized, oh, you know what? There were a whole bunch of other people that were stranded on that island with me. But I'm just worried about my own safety and salvation. See, how often do we do that spiritually? Where we just are concerned about us receiving our salvation, us receiving our healing, when in reality God has called us into this process where his truth, his gospel doesn't just change me, but it changes me so that my life can then reach out so that others can understand what the good news of Jesus Christ is all about. Does that make sense? But how quick are we to receive healing, redemption, salvation, and forget about all those who are still suffering from the things that we used to before we experienced the salvation of God. We forget that somebody else is still addicted to drugs. We forget that somebody else is still in a lifestyle of prostitution because right now they think that's the only thing that's going to bring them what they need to survive and take care of those around them. We forget that there's somebody else who's in jail right now. We forget that there's somebody else who is broke, who ain't got two dimes to, to rub together. We forget that there's somebody else who's sick and in a hospital bed, even though we used to be sick and in a hospital bed. How quick are we to forget that there are those who are still going through things that we used to go through, that we have to make sure that if we truly want to represent what the gospel means on Sunday morning, we cannot forget what takes place in the gospel on Friday afternoon. Amen? Amen? So as we talk about suffering, we, we have to recognize these things. There's, there's a historical figure, someone who uh, I've come across in, in various, uh, various things that I've read. I've read some of his work as well as some things that were written about him. But there was a gentleman, um, in fact, recently, uh, he officially was, was, uh, is considered a saint within the Catholic Church. His name is Oscar Romero. And he was martyred, he was assassinated in 1980. Um, because of his faith in El Salvador. Uh, he was a priest, and uh, he looked around at his government in the 70s, in the 60s and 70s, and he saw that there were, uh, there were these 14 families in El Salvador that carried all the power within the country, so much so to the point where the government was corrupt and would do whatever this family told the government to do, including killing people, including robbing people, and keeping the poor poor and allowing the rich to get even richer. And so this pastor in El Salvador looked at this situation and thought to himself, on Sunday mornings, if all I do is talk about what took place 2,000 years ago, but I don't talk about what's taking place right now, then I'm not truly representing the gospel. Right. 
While he was considering that, praying through that, he saw that other priests and nuns and those who are part of that organization in El Salvador were being killed because they were standing up for the poor and those who were being taken advantage of. They were being martyred. They were being assassinated by the government. And this, this priest, who later became the archbishop of El Salvador, thought to himself, I cannot be silent about these issues. If I'm a leader in El Salvador today, I need to speak about what God thinks about what's happening here right now. He knew that by doing so, it was going to put him in danger. But he counted the cost and thought that his eternal reward was far greater worth than keeping his mouth shut about issues that were happening right there and in that moment. And I, I bring up that story simply to say that we, as the people of God, are so afraid of suffering that we'll oftentimes miss out on what it means to be true representatives of the gospel of Jesus Christ because we don't want Friday. Lord, don't give me Friday. I just want Sunday. I just want the empty tomb. I want the resurrection. I want it all. But, 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 but don't, give me, don't give me the blood. Don't give me the nails in my hands. Don't give me the crown of thorns. Don't, don't give me the, 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 the dehydration. Don't give me the ridicule. Don't, don't give me the, the, the insults hurled against me by everybody and anybody. Don't give me the rejection. Don't give me the loneliness. Don't give me the burden and the pain of all these things that are part of the gospel story. I just want Sunday. But as the people of God, if we miss Friday, then we miss an opportunity to be God's representatives for him right here and right now. In fact, the Bible tells us, and we're going to read a few of these scriptures in a moment, that in order for us to truly be married to the resurrection of Christ, we also have to be married to his suffering. That was a weak clap. I'm just going to say it. I'm not, I, I, and I'm not asking you to clap for me. What, what I'm simply saying, I think that clap is kind of like Pastor Koba. I'm not sure I'm down with what you're talking about today. And that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Because we, we want to be the kind of church that just says the truth even if it doesn't feel good. All right? Because I know there's a lot of churches that want to tickle people's ears so that they walk away feeling good about themselves. And what I would say is I would rather us feel right about ourselves than good about ourselves. If following Jesus means a little bit of suffering, well, guess what? He suffered more. If following Jesus means a little bit of rejection, guess what? He was rejected more. If following Jesus means that we got to get our hands dirty, guess what? His, he got his whole arms dirty. If following Jesus means that we have to experience pain, well, guess what? He experienced more pain than what you and I will ever experience. So what I'm trying to do today is make sure that we are prepared to celebrate the right way in two weeks. Because we can't celebrate the right way in two weeks if we forget about Friday. If we forget about suffering. Uh, I'm going to give you five things. I think it's five. I just got to count. Yep. One, two, three, four, five. All right. Five things that we miss out on if we try to cancel Friday and run straight to Sunday. Five things that we miss out on. Number one is this. We forget that Jesus suffered for us. If we forget about Friday, we forget that Jesus suffered for us. Number two is this. We forget that it, looks, that, that it took a lot of pain and suffering of others to allow us the freedom, the joy, and the position that we currently experience today. Number three. We don't see God in the midst of our suffering if we forget about Friday. 
Number four, we think there's a shortcut to faithfulness in Christ that doesn't include suffering and pain. And number five, we ignore the plight, the pain, and the suffering of others as long as we have reached our own personal salvation. So I want to break those down for us and look at those five things that we miss out on. The first one, as I mentioned, is we forget all that Jesus suffered for us. I want to read Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 6. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me there to Isaiah chapter 53. He was despised and rejected by mankind. Remember, Isaiah is prophesying about what would happen to Jesus 800 years before the crucifixion of Christ. It almost sounds like a play-by-play description of what took place at Golgotha, but in reality, this is an 800-year prophecy before the crucifixion of Christ. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him. And afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6, teaches us here that Jesus himself bore our suffering for our sake. That he himself, by his stripes, we are healed. And so the first thing is that we, if we try to bypass Friday and go around it and somehow arrive at Sunday, then we forget about the fact that Jesus himself suffered. So if we, if we see that in Christ, our Savior, our Lord, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Prince of peace, there's no one like him, the Alpha and the Omega, if he himself suffered for us, then why is it that we are tempted to walk away from our faith the moment that we experience a little bit of suffering in our own lives? If Jesus, our example, our leader, if Jesus, our God, our Lord, if he himself suffered in this particular way, then why is it that all of a sudden I get a, I, I get a little sickness that lasts a little too long, and now all of a sudden, where's God? Right? My bank account's a little lower than I hoped it. Man, there must not be a God. Right? No, 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 no. Suffering is part of the game, church. There's nothing in the Bible that says that the moment we become children of God, the moment we turn our lives over to God, all of a sudden nothing bad is going to happen to us. That's magical thinking, and that's not part of biblical theology. Suffering is a significant piece of biblical theology. It doesn't mean that God forgot about you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't like you. In fact, anything that we read in Scripture says it means that he likes you. Like a parent, anytime we are raising our children the right way, then we're going to make sure that they're upset every once in a while. Right? Some of, your, some of the kids are like, man, that's messed up, Pastor Koba. Why, why are you teaching parenting this way? This is, this is messed up. Why you got to reinforce that with my mom and dad? <laughs> it's my job to make sure my kids are upset every once in a while. Right? Because if they weren't upset every once in a while, they would have rotten teeth, 
Upset stomachs, uh, bad grades. Uh, 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 they, they, they would be, uh, uh, you know, if they were old enough, they'd probably be in jail because they wouldn't know how to respect anything or anyone. So, so, so I have to make sure that their uh, little uh, lack of understanding of why they should be upset rubs against some significant discipline so that they could be raised up to be responsible, respectful, loving people. But that takes a whole lot of no's. And that takes a whole lot of not yet's. And that takes a whole lot of don't even think about it. And that takes a whole lot of you better knock that off right now. And they don't always say, oh, thank you so much, Dad, for disciplining me. Man, I, you know, I, I woke up this morning, Dad, just want, just, I couldn't wait to hear you say no today. I was so excited for you to, you know, uh, let, tell me that I couldn't play on my Switch. And, uh, and tell me that I couldn't, you know, uh, do Pokemon Go all day, every day. No, son, you cannot do that. It is bad for you. You have to do other things in life, like eat and get off the couch and do jumping jacks. You see, it's our job as parents to make sure that they receive a little bit of suffering. Because we believe that if they receive the right kind of suffering, they're going to avoid the wrong kind. Is everybody with me? So then we as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, have to recognize that committing our life to Jesus doesn't mean all of a sudden we've just been given a pass to avoid suffering. We've got to go through Friday if we want to experience Sunday. The second point is this. We forget that it took lots of pain and suffering of others to allow us the freedom, joy, and the position that we're experiencing. I know for myself, I, I, I'm thankful for my grandparents who, who risked a lot to leave the country they were born in to start a new life in this country because they believe it was what's right for me and my children and my children's children. They had to learn a new language. They had to get up before the sun got up to work in the fields just to survive. They had to go through a lot. They had to experience insults and be treated as a second-class citizen in a country that thought that people who speak a language other than English are less than and lower than. They experienced a lot so that we can enjoy all the things that we have today. We can't forget that. We can't forget our soldiers who have uh, gone to protect the freedoms and the Constitution of the United States. We can't forget those who have left and, and many who have given their lives, literally, to defend and protect our freedoms. We can't forget those who, uh, who risked their lives to preach the gospel, like our friend who served in Peru to translate the Bible into, was it Quechua? Into, into a, a language that did not have a written language. And he, he, he risked his life and was killed. His name was Romolo. We supported him as a missionary from Mission Ebenezer Family Church. And while he was doing the gospel work in Peru, people didn't like the message of Jesus. And so they killed him for it. We can't forget about those who have risked and left everything for the purpose of the gospel. So the second point is that if we 
try to avoid Friday in order to get to Sunday, we forget about everything that others have done, everything that others have suffered, and the pain that they've gone through for us to experience what we've experienced here today. Somebody say amen. amen. Number three. If we try to skip Friday, then we don't see God in the midst of our suffering. Right, we ask questions like this, and these are legitimate questions. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't ask these questions or, 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 or it's not a good idea to have these questions. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. But I just want to give us a little bit of perspective because how often do we ask questions like, man, God, why would a good God allow this kind of thing to happen? God, if you were so loving and if you were so powerful, if you had the ability to change the situation miraculously, because I do believe that you're a God who can do miracles. So if you have the combination of power and love, then how is it possible for some of these kinds of sufferings to exist? How is it possible for me to go through this thing that I'm going through right now? Or how is it possible for me to have gone through what I went through 10 or 20 years ago? I can't fathom how a good and powerful God would allow this kind of suffering to exist in the world. And those are legitimate questions to ask, don't get me wrong, but guess what? It's going to be even harder to ask that question and to think about those things without also recognizing that Jesus himself, the Lamb of God, was placed on a cross in front of everybody, naked, called names in front of everyone so that we could demonstrate that God himself put his suffering upon himself for our sake. The thing is, is if we, if we try to erase Friday and pretend like it didn't happen, then, and the only image I have of Jesus is the resurrected Christ, then it's going to be really hard for me to understand suffering. But if I recognize that my God suffered for me, then whenever I experience or see suffering around me, I can say that my God is in the middle of that suffering. If I'm sick, I can say, man, Jesus understands what sickness is like. He walked in this flesh and blood for, 30, for 33 years. If I get injured or wounded, I can say, man, Jesus knows what that's like because he was wounded for my sake. If I get rejected by someone or something, I can say, well, my Christ was rejected as well for who he was and what he said. If I recognize that Jesus suffered on the cross, then I can see that wherever there is suffering, Jesus is right there. Wherever there's those who experience poverty, and they, maybe they don't have a, a roof over their head, and they don't know where their next meal is going to come from, and they're relying upon whatever it is that they can find just in order to survive, I look at that situation and I say, Jesus is right there. Whenever I see somebody struggling, maybe they had to come here because they're, they're coming for political asylum or whatever it may be because where they're coming from is even more dangerous than what they experience here. But being here, it feels like they're caged up and they don't have many freedoms. In that place right there, guess what? Jesus is right there. Wherever we see suffering, you can find Jesus not too far away. The thing about the gospel, though, that a lot of us in our churches in America have preached is wherever you see prosperity, Jesus is right there. 
Wherever you see happiness and wholeness and wealth and people feeling good and being, being uh, you know, at the top of their game, Jesus must be right there. I don't know about you, but whenever I look at the scriptures, I read things like the last will be first and the first will be last. When I look at the scriptures, I see that Jesus oftentimes did not spend most of his time with the elite of society, but he spent most of his time with those who had been forgotten, with those who had been left behind. With those who are considered less than. Why is that? Because he's a God who plants himself in the middle of our human suffering and experience. And it's from that place that we look to him and say, thank you, Lord. I have hope because you meet me in my suffering. You didn't leave me here by myself. You didn't leave me in this pit. You didn't leave me in this hole. You didn't leave me stranded. You didn't leave me isolated. But you met me in that place of suffering. And as long as we hang on tight to Jesus, then we can make it to Sunday. So God is with you in your suffering, church. He didn't, he didn't, uh, remember, remember what it says? He says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. He won't leave you in your suffering. But the cross is proof that Jesus finds your and my point of weakness and point of suffering and will meet us there every single time. Number four. If we think that there's a shortcut to faithfulness to Christ and that it doesn't include suffering and pain, we forget that we are invited into the suffering of God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13. You don't have to turn there, um, but you could jot it down for those who are taking notes. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13 says this, But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So in other words, we've been invited into Christ and all that is within him, which includes the suffering and the glory. Amen? Amen. But again, if you're like me, many of us are like, well, Lord, how about, how about I just avoid that first part and just get the second part? How about that? How about I skip dinner and go straight to dessert? How, how, about, how about I just get the good stuff and, and none of the bad stuff? And, and, and if we want to be faithful to what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, somebody say Lord. Lord. See, because we, we often refer to Jesus as Lord and what? Savior. Savior, Savior and Lord. But we like the Savior part, not so much the Lord part. Right? We, we like the part that Jesus saves. We don't really like the part that Jesus gets to tell us what to do and where to do it and how to do it because he's Lord, which means master, which means God, which means king. Right? We, we like the saving part, but we don't necessarily like the, I'll go wherever you want me to go, Jesus. I'll do whatever you want me to do, Jesus. I'll, I'll bear whatever I have to bear, Jesus. I'll say yes when you tell me to, 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 to what you want me to do. I will be faithful to you. We, we as the church in 21st century America like the Savior. We don't really like the Lord. But if we're going to understand what it means to walk in faithfulness into Christ, we have to be obedient to Jesus as both Savior and Lord. The fifth thing is we ignore the plight, the pain, and the suffering of others as long as we've reached our own personal salvation. And I want to read for us Matthew 25. You can go ahead and turn there with me. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to look at verses 31 through 46. Verses 31 through 46. 
Church, I know this sounds like it's coming down hard today, but I just want to make sure we celebrate Easter the right way. Is that all right? Because we can't enjoy baskets and eggs, egg hunts, and, you know, uh, a ham and whatever else is part of our celebration on Easter if we don't truly respect Friday. Somebody say amen. Amen. The the ham's going to taste a little better, all right? The egg hunt's going to be a little funner after we've done our due diligence to recognize what it means that Jesus, what he did for us on the cross and what he continues to do for us. Matthew 25, verse 31. If you have it, go ahead and say amen. Amen. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, He will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Church, that may be a portion of Scripture that we need to circle, underline, highlight, and be mindful of. Because how often do we forget passages of Scripture like this? How often do we forget that Jesus essentially says, if you ignore the suffering of others, then you're ignoring my suffering, therefore you have no part in my resurrection. What Jesus is saying is there's there's no such thing as separating the spiritual from the physical. 
You can't say, I'm going to preach to somebody the gospel, but if they need a sandwich, sorry, go, good luck finding yourself a subway. Jesus said, if the, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was lonely, you visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. Jesus said, just as you did it for the least of these, you are doing it for me. So when we think about Friday and the suffering of Christ for your sake and for mine, it calls us, it beckons us, it, 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 it implores us as the people of God to, to hunt and search for suffering so that we could immerse ourselves just as Jesus would and not run away from it and try to maintain ourselves clean, preserved, happy, healthy, and wealthy. We as the people of God ought to follow the example of Christ to immerse ourselves in those spaces so that people can understand what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. But we don't like that message very much. Right? Because we've bought into a version of the gospel that says that as long as we do the right things for ourselves, then God's going to give us everything we need and we could just ignore and pretend that nobody else around us exists. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of America. But we're called into a deeper gospel than that. Somebody say amen. Amen. We want to be, we want to be those who truly represent and live after the image of Christ, not after an image that's been distorted to uphold a particular kind of lifestyle. We are called to follow Jesus. Where is Jesus with the poor? Where is Jesus with the suffering? Where is Jesus with the brokenhearted? Where is Jesus with those who've been left behind, left out and forgotten? So that means where should the bride of Jesus be? Right there next to Jesus. If we want to really appreciate Easter Sunday, we got to really appreciate Good Friday. What happened on the cross. The suffering God. You see, the, uh, there, 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 there's this uh, historical challenge that we face. And it started in the first century with the first followers of Christ. They were influenced by both Christian thought and Greek thought. And Greek philosophy at that time had separated uh, the body and the spirit. And Greek philosophy at that time had determined that the gods, right, because they had many gods in, in the Greek religion and philosophical system, were beyond suffering. That the gods, you know, were at this elevated level and the only ones that experienced suffering were people, the humans. And so that got in the way and created this this situation where people started to develop all of these um, made-up theologies. One theology was called docetism. Everybody say docetism. It comes from the, the, the Greek word dokeo, which means to seem. To seem. So they came up with this belief that Jesus on the cross, it only seemed like he died. It only seemed like he suffered. But it was just kind of theater, and in reality, he didn't even actually experience pain and suffering. And the reason why they developed that belief is because they couldn't reconcile this idea that gods would suffer. But I want to tell you something. Jesus is not a Greek god. Jesus is the God, the only God. So 
so we don't, we don't try to squeeze in the gospel into a Greek paradigm, just like we shouldn't try to squeeze the gospel into an American paradigm. Jesus didn't just seem to suffer on the cross. The nails went through his hands, and they hurt just as much as they would hurt if they went through yours and mine. The blood that he experienced was just as real as the blood that's in your and my veins. The screams and the shouts from the pain is just as real as the screams and the shouts of your pain when you're going through something. The loneliness when his closest friends abandon him at the foot of the cross, nowhere to be found at the point when he needed them most, feels a lot like the isolation and loneliness that some of us feel like when we're going through something and nobody's there to reach out or give us a hand. So as we think about what Jesus went through and continues to go through, we as the people of God have some work to do because we've built our belief system around Sunday and have forgotten Friday. We've built our goals around resurrection, but not about what it means to participate in the suffering with Christ. So as we get ready to, to, to wrap up this morning, as we get ready to conclude, I don't want us just to, you know, go through these passages of Scripture and, and receive this challenging word and somehow forget about it and let it just to kind of go in one, in, go in one ear and out the other ear. But I would, I would really want this to sink in to the point where we would say, Lord, make me more faithful to you. I've been neglecting and ignoring a significant part of what it means to be your follower, to be your disciple. I bought into these lies that my faith is all about happiness and, and, and wellness and, and nothing about suffering. Maybe, maybe today is a moment for us to say, Lord, forgive me for pretending as if somehow, some way, what you've offered me is a, a pass to ignore the suffering of, of my own suffering and the suffering of others. Maybe some of us need to say, Lord, open up my eyes to see what it means for me to view this world from the lens of the one who runs to suffering so that they might find healing and wholeness in Jesus Christ. Maybe this is a moment for us as the people of God to say, Lord, revive us to be those who are called to be part of your work of redemption in the world, which doesn't ignore suffering but runs to it. Not to stay in it, because Friday doesn't last forever. Right? The sun goes down and the sun comes up, and two days later we have resurrection. Victory belongs to us. Victory belongs to Jesus. So we never go to suffering to stay there, but we, 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 def we definitely cannot bypass it to get to resurrection, right? We don't run into suffering for suffering's sake, but we do it because it joins us together with the suffering and resurrection of Christ. We don't even need to create our own forms of suffering. Guess what? Life has plenty of it on its own. You don't need to whip yourself on the back or, or, or crawl on your knees in a pilgrimage from one place to another. No, life has enough suffering in and of itself. If we opened up our eyes and looked around at L.A. and the harbor area and the South Bay, trust me, there's plenty of suffering for us to be involved with. As long as we don't buy into this idea that God has somehow sheltered us away from that so we don't have to deal with that, then we forget that what others have gone through, what God has gone through, and what we have even gone through. We want to be connected to where Jesus is, which means we need to respect Friday in order to celebrate Sunday. Amen.
So each of us, I would love for, for us to, re, re, to respond to this message today by asking between you and God. And we don't have time for it this morning, so you're going to have to carve out some time today or this week to spend some time with the Lord and say, Lord, how have I uh, rejected suffering? How have I uh, tried to avoid it at all costs? How have I lived in such a way that I have sacrificed aspects of faithfulness to you because of my fear of pain and suffering? How have I forgotten about the suffering of others because I wanted to just enjoy my own happy life? Because somehow I believe God has blessed that. Lord, how have I lived in such a way that has pulled me away from faithfulness unto you because I haven't respected what you did for us on Friday? Take some time this week. Block out some time. Maybe this is a good time for listening. Sometimes when we pray, we just tell God a lot of stuff. But in a good relationship, in communication, if only one person is doing the talking, that's not a really good relationship. So maybe this is a week to spend prayer time listening and not talking so much. Maybe don't tell God everything you need to tell him this week. Maybe this is the week to say, Lord, what do you want to speak to me? What do you, what do you want to shape in me? Where are you calling me? How are you challenging me this week? Carve out some space. Pull out a journal. Write down what God begins to share with you. I'd be excited to see how God might be transforming us as a church through what we hear from God during this time of listening. God might be calling us into new ministries and new spaces through taking some time to really listen to what the Son of God, the one who suffered, the one who died on the cross, I bet you he has a lot that he wants to say to us. And if we're willing to listen, then, then we, can, we can move through this week in these couple weeks in a preparation that readies our heart to really be able to celebrate what Resurrection Sunday really means. Amen? Would you join me by standing if you're able this morning so that we could close in a word of prayer? The core message of Jesus is that real joy and peace never can be reached by bypassing suffering and death, but only by going right through them. We can deny the reality of life or we can face it. When we face it, not with despair, but with the eyes of Jesus, we discover that where we least expect it, something is hidden that holds a promise stronger than death itself. Jesus lived his life with the trust that God's love is stronger than death. And that death, and we can add sickness, misfortune, pandemic, catastrophe, therefore does not have the last word. He invites us to face the painful reality of our existence with the same kind of trust. This is the invitation that we've been given today. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us to the point of offering your life. Uh, you didn't run away from the cross. You weren't asking for the cross, but you didn't run away from it. Thank you, Lord, for bearing our burdens on yourself, for bearing our sin upon yourself. Thank you for demonstrating to us that you're not just the God of resurrection, but you're the God of crucifixion, 
that you gave yourself to atone, to cover our sin. And so, Lord, as you've invited us both into resurrection power and resurrection hope, you've also invited us into the suffering and the fellowship of the cross. Teach us, Lord, with patience, with strength, and with perseverance to bear the invitation that you've given us to co-labor with you, Lord. Teach us to be scouts looking for those who are living in the midst of suffering, who need to hear the message of the gospel that there's a God who meets the suffering. There's a God who can heal the pain. There's a God who can transform the brokenness. And he does so by entering in it with two feet and two hands and a full heart. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us this example and for inviting us to participate in that with you. Forgive us when we instead have opted for a comfortable life, a gospel that is edited. Help us, Lord, to live the full gospel and to reflect you in all that we say and all that we do. Prep us, Lord. Prepare our hearts for this season. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.